Thank you so much for everyone who is going to be joining us this morning and is joining us this morning. Uh, we'd like to welcome you to our Sunday morning live stream once again. Thank you for being here. Uh, before I get started, there are a couple of announcements that we want to make to inform you about what is going on at our church. The first is that today is the last day that you can turn in your monetary donations to purchase uh, gifts for Center of Hope's Christmas Outreach this year. Uh, and if that is something that you have yet to do and you would like to do, then I want you to follow a couple of uh, steps to do that. The first step that you're going to do is you're going to go to redeemers.life forward slash give. And so when you go there, uh, simply click on the Give Now button. And what that's going to do is that is going to redirect you to our giving portal. And when you get to our giving portal, you can put in whatever uh, amount that you want to give. But what's important is that in the two box, there are a lot of different options uh, for you to give to. And the option that I want you to, to select at that point is select the Christmas Outreach Toy Offering option. And when you do that, you're going to go ahead and fill out all of the uh, uh, additional necessary information. And what that's going to do is that is going to ensure that the money that you give towards that will go directly towards uh, or to Center of Hope. Uh, the second announcement that I want to make with you this morning before I begin is that we are so grateful that many of our members and our family members uh, are on the mend. And so thank you so much for your continued prayers for that. And we want to announce that we are once again excited to, and we are planning on being together again on Sunday, December 20th. So next Sunday, which is December, December 13th, we will be live streaming again. And then the following Sunday, we will be back together in person as, uh, or the week right before, or the week of Christmas. And so we're excited uh, to be a part and be together for that. I know, once again, this has not been the ideal circumstances that everyone has been uh, hoping for, but I would hope that in to this point, in 2020, we have all become accommodated to adjusting and adapting to the circumstances that we are all facing. So thank you so much for your support uh, in that as we continue to endure through this time together. Before I get started, uh, let's go ahead and just uh, join together and pray. Will you just, wherever you are, just bow your heads, close your eyes as we pray. Father, uh, we just submit this time to you. God, we, we consecrate it. We set apart this time uh, for you, to hear from you. Uh, God, we pray that you would speak to us, Father, where we are, God. That you would encourage us, that you would inspire us, that you would challenge us, that you would motivate us, God. For whatever circumstances we're facing, God, we know this, Lord, that there is life in your voice when you speak. So, God, we just ask that you speak. And, Father, in addition to that, totally off topic, God, I pray that we will be able to play Michigan next Saturday. <laughs> and, God, I pray that we will take care of business. And, Father, after we beat Michigan, God, I additionally pray that Michigan will extend Jim Harbaugh's contract in perpetuity. Father, so that we can continue to experience just the beauty of beating Michigan time and time again. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. That's all for all of our Michigan fans that are going to be listening this morning. Well, last week I began a two-week message series on the transformational power 
of the message of Jesus Christ, and I titled it, Turn the World Upside Down. And what that phrase is, is it's actually a metaphor for what happens when the kingdom of God comes or manifests itself in our world. Matter of fact, that exact phrase was used by some of the citizens of Thessalonica to describe Paul and Silas's arrival in their city. After Paul and Silas began preaching in the city, some of the people of the city began to get angry at what they were doing. And beginning in verse 5 of Acts chapter 17, we read about that. I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation for this portion of Scripture. And in verse 5 it says, But many of the Jews were motivated by bitter jealousy and formed a large mob out of the troublemakers, the unsavory characters in the street gangs, to incite a riot. They set out to attack Jason's house, for he had welcomed Paul and Silas, or the apostles, into his home. The mob was after Paul and Silas and sought to take them by force and bring them out to the people. Now, listen to the description or the adjective or the language that was used to describe Paul and Silas in verse 6. It says, when they couldn't find them, they took Jason instead, along with some of the brothers in his house church, and they dragged them before the city council. And along the way, they were screaming this out. Listen to the declaration that the mob is saying out loud to describe Paul and Silas. They go on to say, those troublemakers who have turned the world upside down have come here to our city. Listen to me this morning. This is the power that the message of Jesus Christ has. The message of Jesus Christ shakes cities. It shakes nations. Whatever can be shaken will be shaken, mm -hmm. and it turns the world upside down, bringing radical transformation to the human soul. But here's a question. When I read that passage of Scripture, here's a question that I cannot help but consider. And I think it's an appropriate question to consider when we think of sharing the message of Jesus Christ. Here's the question. What causes some who hear this message of Jesus to receive it as good news, and then others to receive it as something that is destructive or something that is turning the world upside down. I mean, how can, how can those polar extreme uh, receptions of it exist? Uh, why, why does that seem to happen? You know, Paul actually referred to this dichotomy in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 18. When he said this, to preach the message of Jesus or the message of the cross seems like sheer nonsense to those who are on their way to destruction. But to us who are on our way to salvation, it is the mighty power of God released within us. So how can people react to the message of Jesus Christ with such polar opposite reactions? Because listen to me, when Paul, when those men were speaking of Paul and Silas as turning the world upside down, they weren't giving them a compliment. They were accusing them of something destructive and disruptive. So what was it about Paul and Silas's, uh, Silas uh, and what they were doing in Thessalonica that caused them to react that way? Well, when you look the uh, phrase up, turning the world upside down in this passage of Scripture, in its original language, you find some very interesting meaning in it. The word turn here 
is the English substitute for the Greek word anastato. And anastato means this. It means to unsettle the mind. To unsettle the mind. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that makes me understand a little bit better why they were so angry. You know, what, what that unsettling makes me think of is it makes me think of what earthquakes do. Earthquakes test the strength of structural foundations and often bring unsettling to them. So when it says that the men accused Paul and Silas of turning the world upside down, what they really meant was that the message of Jesus Christ was disrupting the foundation in which they had built or settled their lives on. The message was disrupting their thought processes, their beliefs, their values, their convictions, their passions, their worldview. And what it was causing, see this is what happens, what it was causing was an internal struggle and conflict where they were now forced to make a choice between what they thought life was about and what the gospel of the kingdom said life was about. Listen to me this morning. If there's anything that the message of Jesus Christ does when we first believe and continues to do as we continue to believe, it is this. It will force you to make a choice between the truth of the gospel and any and all conclusions you had previously made about what life was supposed to be about before you heard it. When I think about the unsettling that the message of Jesus Christ does in the minds and hearts of people, I think about how the hearers of Peter's message in Acts chapter 2 responded when he preached the gospel to them. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, in the New American Standard translation, it says this, that when they had heard the message of Jesus, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what are we to do? That phrase, see, that, that, that phrase indicates that they were undone when they had heard it. The phrase pierced to the heart in the Greek means this. It's interesting. It, it, it means that they were agitated in the mind. So that the message had disrupted some thought processes in their mind, some conclusions that they had settled on about what life was about. And in disrupting it, it agitated their mind and it pierced them to the heart. Chip Ingram actually says this in, in, a, in a book. He says, the mind is the gateway to the heart. This is what happens when the message of Jesus is preached. The message of Jesus Christ will unsettle your mind in any areas where you have made up your mind or you have come to conclusions about something or about someone that is in contradiction to the truth of the gospel and what God thinks. That is why one person can receive the message of Jesus as good news and then an entirely different pers person can receive it as destructive or disruptive. Now, for the rest of this morning, I'm going to go ahead and change lanes because last week uh, I, I ended my message talking about um, how we can become the agents or ambassadors 
of transformation in this world for the kingdom of God. In other words, how can we, that's you and that's I, become like Paul and Silas and turn the world upside down? Down And here's where we transition, transition because listen to me, and this is where, where we, we, we go all the way back or we go all the way to you and I. We're, we're, we're moving away from the, the transformation power of the message of Jesus Christ in the world. And now we're going to be talking about how we are impacted. Listen to this. You and I cannot turn the world upside down unless you and I allow the message of Jesus Christ that we say we believe in to fully turn our world upside down. Let me just say that again. You and I cannot turn the world upside down unless you and I allow the message of Jesus Christ that we say we believe in to fully turn our world upside down. What do I mean? Turning our world upside down, that's you and I, happens in the same way that the world gets turned upside down. It happens through the unsettling of our minds by the truth of God's Word. Have you ever experienced God turning your world upside down as He unsettled your mind with the truth of God's Word? What do I mean? Has God ever disrupted a belief or ideology about your life that you had made up your mind about. You know, when I think about uh, what, I, what, I'm, what the point I'm making here, I have an example for you. Turn, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. We have this story here of a rich, young ruler. He had come to a place in his life where, where he thought he had it all. He had, he had made up his mind about what, what life was about. But he had one lingering question that he wasn't sure of. And so he approaches Jesus. And in verse 17, it says, As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him, that is Jesus, and asked him, Good teacher, what should I do? To inherit eternal life. Now, before we even read uh, the things that this rich young ruler had responded, uh, the answers or comments that this rich young ruler had made back to Jesus after Jesus gave his answer, what we need to understand is that this rich young ruler had thought he had done it all. And so Jesus responds to this question that he asks, and Jesus says to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And then Jesus says in verse 19, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud or honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. See, that, that right there tells you that this rich young ruler wasn't really seeking an answer. He was seeking for validation from Jesus that he was already doing the right thing. And then Jesus responds with this in verse 21. Looking at him, Jesus showed him love and said to him, there's one thing that you still lack. Go and sell all you possess and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now look at the response to that. Because once again, we see here that Jesus provides Another truth to this rich young ruler that he had not thought about. And it goes on and it says this, that he was deeply dismayed by the words that Jesus had spoke. And he went away grieving 
for he was one who owned much property. What happened in this young man? Jesus confronts this young man's belief about how he was to inherit eternal life, and it unsettles him so much that he walks away grieving because he wasn't willing to undo an ideology or worldview that he had already made up his mind about. I often wonder when I think about this young man, how much of an impact that young man would have had in the lives of other people and had he chose to allow Jesus to turn his world upside down so that he could turn other people's worlds upside down. See, how many of you would have how many of you uh, would have been, how many you know would have been, he would have had such an amazing, tremendous impact on people's lives with the generosity that he would have been able to bless people with after he had sold all of his possessions. See, this, this is so important because the extent in which you allow God to unsettle your thoughts in your mind with what he needs to unsettle is directly connected to the degree in which you turn the world upside down. The process of turning your world upside down serves God's purpose of molding us, of shaping us, of refining us, of pruning us, so that we might become truly restored to God's original design for you and I, so that we can become agents of transformation here. I love this quote by Bill Johnson. He says, Transformed minds transform people, and transformed people transform cities. Amen. This is what happens when we commit ourselves to allow God to unsettle in our minds thought processes that need to be unsettled, so that He can restore us back to His original design for humanity. See, Paul went from a persecutor of the church to a multiplier of the church at the expense of God, of God coming to him and confronting him and unsettling a mind, his mind, with the truth of God's word. Saul, why do you persecute me? See, how, how do we allow God to unsettle our minds? Well, the unsettling of our mind is what scripture calls the renewing of our mind. It's interesting because we may not necessarily see it this way, but the act of repentance isn't supposed to just be this outward expression of remorse over sin in which we run to an altar and we get on our knees and we're crying and we're feeling sorrow. It's, it is that, but that is not fully what repentance is. Repentance is actually a process that you participate in of changing the way that you think. See, when Jesus began his ministry, what was the first sermon? When you look at Mark chapter uh, 1, verses 14 and 15, we see Jesus came into, the, into Galilee preaching this gospel of God. What is gospel? It is the good news of the kingdom of God. And he said this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand or it's so close you can touch it. It's within arm's reach. Therefore, wherever you are, say therefore. Therefore, repent and believe the gospel. The word repent here literally means change your mind or change the way you think. The word repent is actually made up of two words. It's a compound word. We have re, which means to go back, and then we have pent, 
When you think of the word pent, think of the word penthouse. The penthouse is literally the top floor of a building. So when you take that word and you think of it in English, what it means is this. It repent means to go back to God's perspective on reality. So repentance actually is the elevating of your thought life to a higher level. So we see here that, that the practice of repentance is so essential in us becoming agents of transformation that turn our world upside down. And we don't just do it at salvation. We continue to do it so that our minds continue to be changed. So the renewal of our mind is the continued process of repentance that was initiated at our salvation. In, in, in Bill Johnson's book, Transforming uh, the Mind, he says this. He says, renewing your mind means learning to recognize what comes from hell and what comes from heaven and agreeing with heaven. That is the only way you will complete your divine assignment. How much discernment in this world do we lack if we do not allow our minds to continue to be renewed? He goes on to say, having a renewed mind is often not an issue of whether or not someone is going to heaven, but how much heaven he or she wants in his life right now. That sounds a lot like the prayer that I referenced last week in Matthew 6. Remember, Jesus taught his disciples to turn the world upside down when he said, this is how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he's referring to. Derek Prince quoted, uh, says this, When our minds become renewed, our values change and our priorities are altered. See, Pastor Dwight said this in a sermon three weeks ago. He said that God will use any means necessary to get you to your mission. And I believe one of the primary means that he uses is the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind is the ongoing process of allowing any thought processes, beliefs, values, convictions, worldviews, etc., 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 about who you are, about who others are, about our role in the kingdom, our role in the church, what is truth and what isn't, etc., etc., within your mind to become unsettled by the truth of God's Word and nothing else until they come into agreement with the Word. See, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 is such a common, uh, familiar passage of Scripture that speaks of the renewing of your mind. It says this in verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that, for the purpose of, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's read that again. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that, for the purpose of, that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The NIV translation says that same scripture this way. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A couple of notes from this passage that I just want to, uh, observations that I want to make. The first is this. 
The phrase be transformed here is in the present tense, which means it is a continuing, ongoing action. Mm -hmm. That verifies the idea that I mentioned earlier of the continued process of changing the way we think. The second observation is this. The word renewing means renovation. So when you are renewing your mind, you are undergoing a complete mental makeover. You ever seen the, the show Extreme Home Makeover? That's what you are doing as you renew your mind. You are renovating. You are going through a mental makeover. This summer, I was doing a complete bathroom renovation. And like most renovations that I have participated in, I get in about halfway and then I begin to think, why did I ever start this? But nevertheless, I'm in the middle of it and I'm in this renovation and there was this particular uh, project in the renovation that I was doing in my bathroom. I was putting up backer board and, um, you know, occasionally as I'm doing this renovation, I am uh, just wanting to kind of uh, go back to to uh, to some videos on YouTube or consult some different people to make sure that I'm doing the right thing as I'm renovating. And so uh, this summer I was doing that, and and the the bathroom is it was it, it's bare bones. It was just back down to the studs, which is what uh, often happens in renovations. And as I was in, installing this backer board, uh, I, I had this this just. I just wanted to make sure I was doing the right thing. And so I had a choice to make. I either continue to move forward without making sure that I had the right approach or, listen to me, I consult a higher authority who knows more about the renovation than I do. So who do I call? I call none other than Donnie Pritchard. <laughs> and sure enough, what I was doing was the wrong thing. It was a matter of fact, it wasn't a call, it was actually a text message. And what Donnie doesn't know is I had actually installed it the wrong way before I consulted him. And so what happens is I text him and I say, hey, I just wanted to know, am I doing this the right way? And he goes, no, it's actually supposed to be this way. And I'm like, great, thanks. So now what did I have to do? I had to undo what I had done. It's good. To make sure that I was in line with the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. See, in the same way, you can only renew your mind if you consult a higher authority than you and allow your mind to change according to the truth that you receive from the higher authority. And what is that higher authority? It is the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, such a powerful scripture. It says, for we have the living word of God, which is full of energy, and it pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being, where soul and spirit, bone and marrow, meet. Now this, this phrase right here is so powerful. It penetrates and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. You know what that tells us? It tells us that we can be living with the wrong mindset and not know it unless we consult a higher authority which will reveal where we are off. See, this is what the Word of God does. 
This is why it's so important in 2020 for you to fact check yourself against the word of God mm-hmm. to see if you are in alignment. Mm-hmm. So here's a question for you to consider this morning. If you want to know whether or not the Word of God is the ultimate authority in your life, then how much influence does it have over the way that you think? Really? I mean, this is a where the rubber meets the road question. How much influence does God's Word have over you th- over what, how you think? If it is something that you do just to check off on the list of things to do in the day without without submitting your heart and your mind to the authority of God's Word, then we're missing it. It's got to have more influence. Can you look back and recall scriptures or moments that God has spoken to you that have altered and transformed your thought life? Point number three on that Romans 12, 2 scripture is this. Any thought not transformed through the renewing of your mind will be conformed to the pattern of this world. Both cannot exist. If you don't renew your mind with God's word, you will have a mindset that is shaped and patterned by the world. See, one of the definitions for pattern here is that it is an example for others to follow. So make no mistake about it. Our world has a pattern. It has an example. It is a mindset that is competing for your thought life And it has a pattern that it wants you to follow. It is a worldview in which you operate your life out in. See, when we do not renew our mind, we will by default follow the example uh, of the thought patterns of this world. What does that mean? This means that you can't conform to the patterns of this world and be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Mm -hmm. They cannot happen at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. Any belief in your worldview that isn't being renewed by the truth of God's word will be conformed to the ideology of the world. Psychologists actually talk about these things in this terminology, cognitive dissonance. And what cognitive dissonance is this. It is the idea that you have, when you have two opposing beliefs within your mind, they cannot exist there long term without you making a choice. Because if you allow those things to exist there long term, what it causes is massive amounts of mental tension and trauma. And so what happens is people end up making a choice, even if that choice isn't the right one, even if that thought isn't the right one. This is how people will believe a lie. See, what you have to understand is the scheme of the enemy. The scheme of the enemy is continue to bombard you with the same lie over and over and over again. And if you don't have the truth of God's word to combat that, what will end up happening is you'll resign your belief to believe that lie because you cannot allow that to exist there long term with tension without surrendering to it. You have to combat the lies and the ideologies of the world with the truth of God's word. Jesus said it this way. He said a house divided by itself cannot stand. So how do we renew our mind? How do we unsettle our mind so that we are transformed through the renewing of it so that we can be those whose words, worlds are turned upside down that we might turn the world upside down for the kingdom? The answer is simple. You cannot change 
the way you think without changing what you're feeding it with. You can't. Let's talk about five practical ways to renew your mind. And then we're going to close. The first one is this. Number one, hear God's word. Hear God's word. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. At the foundation of our faith is trust. And if faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God, then the more you listen to preaching, the more you listen to teaching, the more you listen to God's word being spoken, the more likely you will place your confidence in its truth and begin to be transformed by it. That's why the scripture says that the devil is the prince of the air. He is competing with what you're listening to. He's competing over that because he knows that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He knows that the beliefs that you believe about yourself, about the, the way in which you are to interact with the world, come through your ear gates. And so he bombards you with those things. I cannot tell you how many times I've been listening to a teaching or preaching or reading of God's word and it has been used by God to begin an internal dialogue with him where he has begun to pinpoint ideas, beliefs, thought processes that I have had so that they would be renewed by the truth of God's word. Many of you know what I'm talking about. When someone is preaching and God begins to drop a thought into your mind and you begin to, to go on this journey down this way path with God where he begins to lead you to where he wants you to go to bring transformation through the renewing of your mind. So hear God's word. The second is this. Read God's word. Read it. 2 Timothy 3.16 in the Amplified Translation. It's so powerful. All scripture is God-breathed. You know what that means? That means every scripture is life-giving, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable, it's beneficial, for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction or error, and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness. What that means is, it literally means to learn to live in conformity with God's will, both publicly and privately, so that you behave honorably, with personal integrity and moral courage. When was the last time you were inspired by the Word of God when you read it on your own? When was the last time the Word of God challenged you or convicted you? When was the last time the Word of God taught you how to live in conformity with God's will? The Word of God is what turns us upside down by unsettling ideas, etc., in our minds by confronting them with kingdom truth. The same scripture in the Phillips translation, which is actually a, a, a translation from you know, a couple hundred years ago. It's so interesting, the language used here. It says, all scripture uh, is inspired by God and is useful for teaching the faith and correcting error, error, error. And listen, for resetting the direction of a man's life. I'll never forget one morning in uh, February, January of 2013. I literally remember this. I remember where I was sitting. I remember uh, what I was reading. I literally remember the month and the years. January of 2013, I was reading Matthew chapter 27, and I was reading about Barabbas and how Pilate allowed the people to choose to set either Barabbas free or Jesus free. 
And I was thinking about that, and honestly, as I was reading, I don't know, but I, I just got angry. I got angry at the reality that here is Jesus, sinless. He is guiltless. He's faultless. He's perfect. And here he is, next to Barabbas, who was literally a rebel. He was a murderer. He was a criminal. He was crooked. He was unrighteous. And these are the options that Pilate puts in front of the people and then says, you guys decide who sets to go, gets to go free. And I remember being frustrated because I remember thinking in my mind, there's no way that Barabbas gets set free and then chooses to change his life for the better. He's looking like he's getting off the hook. And I remember literally reading my Bible early in the morning. And I remember reading this passage of Scripture and saying this out loud. God, I hate Barabbas. I hate that he got off free. And then the Lord speaks because he needs to renew my mind. He says, Caleb, if Barabbas doesn't go free, you don't get to either. You don't get to either. And Instantly, my mindset began to be transformed that if Barabbas didn't get set free, neither do I, and neither does the person that I think least deserves it. It transformed the way in which I saw people and I saw myself. It may not be significant to you, but I'm telling you, that rewired a perspective in my mind. Reading God's word gives God a reason to speak to you. Number three, study God's word. 2 Timothy 2.15, study God's word to show yourself approved. In the Aramaic, which was a common language spoken in the New Testament, it is written this way, don't become frustrated and hurry and keep on hurrying. Through God's Word. See, a lot of times we rush through God's Word. We feel like we've accomplished something if we got two chapters under our belt during the day. But do we know the contents? Do we study it? Do we chew on it? Study it so that you understand it. When you study God's Word, you are committing yourself to understanding it. Listen, this is so funny. We cannot help but wonder if we're consuming things without understanding taking the moment to study what we're consuming. For instance, we experience this every time we eat. If we don't read a nutritional label and we don't see the contents, we may not understand that where we are physically, it corresponds to what we're eating. We are what we eat. Study the Word. Consume it. It's like when you study it, it's like you're examining the nutritional label of God's Word. So that you know what you're consuming. It's all good. But don't, what you, don't you want to get the most out of the scripture? Study it to be approved. Number four. Memorize God's word. Psalms 119, 9 and 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. I love this. Memorizing scripture is giving the word of God permanent res residence in your mind. R.C. Sproul says it this way. The word of God 
can be in the mind without being in the heart, but it can never be in the heart without first being in the mind. We have to memorize it. We have to, I, I, I was grateful at an early age to go to a Christian school where they forced us to memorize scriptures and Bible. But can I tell you this? I still remember those scriptures. Why? Because memorization gives scripture permanent residence in your mind. And it always is used by the Holy Spirit as a reference to bring up to the surface of your mind according to circumstances and situations that you're experiencing. I want to encourage you, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're facing right now, I want you to take scripture and write it out. Put it on note cards. Commit yourself to memorizing it. Last but not least, meditate on God's word. That, that word meditate literally means to chew on it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, God speaks to Joshua. And he, he gives them this instruction. I give you the same instruction. This book, that's the scriptures, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it, chew on it, day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. We will turn the world upside down as our world is turned upside down through the unsettling of any thoughts that God needs to remove from the foundation of our life and renew by the truth of God's word. That's how we get turned upside down so that we can make the greatest impact. As I close, I want to read Romans 12, 2 again to you. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove the will of what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Listen, one of our responsibilities as followers of Jesus is to prove the will of God to humanity and to our word. We don't do it in a mean-hearted way. We do it in a beautiful demonstration of what the kingdom of God looks like as we live out our lives. And as it is so necessary for our minds to continue to be fashioned and renewed by the truth of God's word so that we can do that well, so that we can represent Jesus well. The world will know that the kingdom of God, of God has come as we prove what his will is. And, that, and as that scripture says, the transformation that comes through the renewing of our mind. I, I encourage you this morning to commit yourself to renewing the renewing of your mind. It's so needed in the time that we're living in. Not so that we just commit to the mission, but it's so needed for our health. For our own spiritual health. So commit yourself to allowing God to turn your world upside down so that we can turn our world upside down and make the biggest impact that's possible for the kingdom of God. Wherever you are, will you just join me and stand as we close in prayer? Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you that it is relevant in every age that we live in. God, I thank you that your word even says heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. <laughs> Father, I thank you that your word says this about it, that your word does not return void, but it will accomplish 
everything that you have set it out to do. And so God, this morning, I pray the scriptures that we have read, God, as they were released to everyone who is hearing this, God, I pray that they will accomplish everything that you have set them out to do so that our world will be turned upside down so that we can turn the world upside down by bringing the kingdom of God close to bring transformation that is so needed. And we pray for your grace to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We love you and we cannot wait to see you. God bless you. Have an amazing rest of your Sunday.